You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. So today we are continuing on in our study in the book of Philippians. We are finishing off chapter 2, so we're about halfway through it. And if you've been with us, you know that we have been just camping out in the book of Philippians. And every Sunday, we just kind of bite off a few verses to read about, to dig into, to to pray over, and to really just be challenged uh, to walk in this, walk in these truths. And really the heart and design of this letter is that Paul, right, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to this church in Philippi. Philippi. And so it's a group of believers called the Philippians, this this church in in, uh, Philippi that Paul the Apostle is writing to. And um, it's been so rich and full of, of huge truths about who God is and who we are in Christ and really how our lives are to be lived in light of that. So it's very practical in nature, which is awesome. If you sometimes just want to know what it means to be a Christian and what it means to live for Christ and how should I order my life and what's, it, what's supposed to be important to me if I believe these truths, right? If I call myself a follower of Jesus. Paul makes it really practical for this group of people how the, the ways in which they are to walk. And it's been awesome. And so we're going to just dig into these last few verses of chapter 2. Love for you to read it with me. We'll pray and then we'll get into it. So Paul's speaking, he says this. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you once again that we have your word before us. It's readily accessible. That it's, we believe that this is your word. It's God-breathed and God-inspired. And even though it was written to a group of people in a very different culture a very long time ago, very different to maybe our context and our setting, thank you that these truths are universal and they are for us just as much as they were for this church back then. So God, we want to read this as if it is a letter written to Reality Honolulu this morning. So would you help us to be encouraged and, and maybe glean something and really just be, um, become more like Jesus. Like that is the goal. That not only do we, do we have more head knowledge and understanding of your word, but that it would be transformative. 
God, we pray for a transformative time in your word and that we would receive it um, just like as if it's you, the God of the universe, speaking to your people today. We thank you, Lord. Pray for an anointing on this time. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, we concentrated on another character, Timothy. And it was another co-worker and fellow, you know, partner in the gospel that Paul highlighted. And this week, we have a different character. We have a different person that Paul is highlighting and speaking about. You know, not all, all, always does he point out specific people and name them by name. But we have that this morning with the person of Epaphroditus. And we don't know a lot about Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus excuse me. But what we see here is that Epaphroditus was a part of this Philippian church and was sent by the Philippians to minister actually to Paul in prison. Right, so Paul is currently in Rome. He's in prison. Philippi is modern-day Greece, so quite a bit of distance away. And, right, Paul is uncertain of his future. We really don't know, you know, the well-being of Paul so much. You know, back then, you know, there's kind of speculation, but it could be the case that unless friends of Paul were bringing him food and aid, he might go without it. Right, we don't know at the time how much Paul was suffering or not. But nonetheless, Epaphroditus has been sent by this church to go minister and care for Paul. And the big context here is that Paul is now sending Epaphroditus back. But in that time, whether it's the journey or the conditions, Epaphroditus has almost died in this mission. Right? Epaphroditus has come. He's journeyed a long way to minister to Paul. Again, we don't know the length or what exactly he's done. But it's, caused to, it's been so rough on him that he almost died. And Paul's saying, he's okay now. By God's mercy, he didn't. But I'm going to send him back to you. And Paul even says, he's like, not only are you going to be stoked to see him because he didn't die and he's your buddy and he's back. But he's going to cause, it's going to cause me less anxiety. Paul says that. And I think he's saying that because, you know, if I was in prison and someone far away sent me help and that helper almost died on that journey, I'd feel like, you know, like guilty or responsible of like, oh my gosh, like because of my circumstances, like now that you're good, let's send you back just so you're in out of harm's way. And Paul, in some ways too, I think probably struggled with receiving help. I think we all do that. And we're going to talk about that. But I think Paul, you know, Paul's pretty like type A and I can do this myself. And so I, in some ways, I think he probably was like, let me just send you back. It'll be happier. It'll be better for me and you if we get Epaphroditus back to you. But what we see here is that Paul is speaking very highly about Epaphroditus, right? He's telling the Philippians in this letter, I'm sending you Epaphroditus back, but he's been incredible to me. But the trip and service has almost cost him. He's almost lost his life. He's okay now. But it's better I sent him back for mine and your sake. And what I love about, like, a letter like this is, again, it's a very practical window into, like, churches in the ancient world, like the early church. And it's just, it's just simple. 
It's just so simple. Like there's a group of believers and Paul's one of them and Paul helped start this church and he's now in need and so they send someone to help him. It's very simple. It's not complicated. There's not a lot of red tape. It's just the body of Christ in the early church just like being this amazing community. And if you notice here and really throughout the New Testament, like denominations weren't a thing yet. Of course, there was different expressions of Christianity already that maybe because of different cultures or different personalities, right? If you visited different churches in different regions, even in the early church, you are going to get like differences, right? Whoever was leading that church or whoever was in that church, no doubt is going to be different. But there was such an incredible unity that was happening. And again, I'm talking like no less than 50 years after Jesus' time. I'm talking like, I mean, probably less, 20, 30 years. Jesus did his ministry, died on the cross, ascended to heaven. The disciples were left, Pentecost, the church grew. Now the church has spread, right, into northern Africa and the Middle East and now into Europe, right? Just a very small area. It's not like now. But back then, it like being a Christian in the ancient world at that time, you were like a, such a small minority. Like there was just not many of you. It was a hostile environment. And so when one Christian would find out there was like one other Christian in any city, do you think they argued about denominations and theology and the differences? Not even a second. <laughs> They would just be so surprised and so overjoyed that there was another follower of Jesus that all the differences would be thrown out the window. And in like that one fact that like you follow Jesus, the God of the New Testament, like you follow Yahweh and his son Jesus, and you believe that Jesus died on the cross. And like it was like three questions you had to ask another Christian, and then all of a sudden you're like family. That was the reality of like being a Christian in the ancient world. That's why when, like, Paul's imprisoned in Rome, like, how many believers were in Rome at that time? Not many. In Greece and Philippi, not many. Right, but if you think of, like, sorry, that was about 2,000 years ago, I'm talking about. Fast forward over time, the last two millennia, obviously, it's incredible how the good news, the gospel has spread across the whole world. Right? Obviously, there's still unreached in, in people groups and people that haven't heard about Jesus. But, I mean, if you look at a study of, the, of Christianity, it's incredible how God has, you know, spread this movement to the far corners of the world. But, as we all know by nature, Christianity has been sliced and diced quite a bit in that time. So, instead of, like, there's, like, one church and we're just all followers one big C church, universal church, that follows this person named Jesus. As we all know, Christianity and its various expressions have become much more denominationalized, you could say. Or various expressions have become much more um, kind of siloed off, you could say. And so now Christianity is more of like, well, that's my camp or that's my tribe, rather than like, that's my kingdom. And we all grew up with this. Or, or any, of, any of you that 
you know, have gone to a church more than just Reality Honolulu, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, even on this island right now, like, this morning, there's tons of churches meeting. There's so many flavors, and there's many different denominations, and I'm not saying that necessarily at all that anyone's way of practicing or expressing themselves is bad. I'm just saying we've done a really good job at just siloing ourselves into different camps, different tribes, different denominations. And again, it's, it's largely because of a certain theology or a certain expression that all of a sudden you tend to fellowship and do things only with those in your Christian tradition that you most similarly feel most comfortable with. Again, this is true of all of us. It's true on this little island, right? But what's neat is even like here on Oahu, like even this week, there's like this movement of, of, of like a more early church mentality where like, yeah, you do you, but can't we all be together also? Like, let's get back to a, a, a larger, broader, across-denomination unity. And it was neat. Like, this week I went to a pastor's meeting with about 20 of us, and that was one attempt to try to live this out. Like, let's just do more stuff together, even though you're this and I'm not that, and you're this and I'm not that. Or we might have differences in different things or different expressions. But what's great about our text today, and in the letter in general, is, is how simple and, and practical it is to really remind us, like, what the church is to be. Because, again, fast forward 2,000 years, we've done a really good job. And I'm like a pastor of a church, so I'm going to conclude myself on that. We, just corporately across the world, have done a really good job to complicate it, unfortunately. Because <laughs> it's really not meant to be. Like, it's, if you read these letters, it's very simple in nature of what a Christian in the church is to be like. But again, we, we, we're really good at complicating it. Because again, even if you read this letter, these are just people following Jesus in this city. Um, the church in Philippi, it's not, it's not like a mega church or super popular or whatever. From what we know, it's a relatively small group. They've just been gathering and they've just been trying to follow Jesus. Like, <laughs> there's not much more than that. And literally, it's just like Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus in Rome and really what we see like over and over, and if you, if you weren't here last week, you should definitely go back and, and watch and listen to that sermon. Because we talked a lot about like this overarching theme that we saw of, of the importance of Christians caring for one another. Like over and over, Paul is bringing this up with Timothy and Epaphroditus and it's not out of coincidence that he's, he's telling the church in Philippi how much Timothy cares for them, how much Epaphroditus has cared for me. And he's saying all of them should be honored, not because they're special, but because they chose to care for other believers. And what we learned last week, if you weren't here, was that like, or we were reminded of, that a core tenant, like a core aspect of Christianity or like an ABC of what it means to be a part of the local church is to care for one another. You might not hear that actually a lot in churches, which is it's weird. 
Because again, churches, we've complicated it. And again, I'm not saying that we also haven't complicated it, but just churches worldwide, like we've gotten really complicated in doing church. Sometimes we get, we miss out on the reminders. That's why it's so important to read the Word of God and go, well, what should I look like? What should we be about? And it reminds us. So I got like three just quick points as we kind of like, you know, go through this real quick. But there's really, I think, three components of what a church should be like. And Paul reminds the Philippians of this. There's, there's three components. Matt, do we have these three points? Number one is what a church should offer, should be, is that it should be a place that Christians can come or followers of Jesus could come to know and experience God. That's not just a reality thing. That's, I'm just saying across the board, what any church, Christian church, should be, should be, number one is you should grow or you should, you should know and experience God. Whether that's through his word or worship or prayer. Like you should know and experience God in church. That should be the hopes. Number two is that it should be a place to know and care for one another. It actually should be the model to the rest of the world, that however we treat each other in your local church should be like the greatest example of how we know and care for one another. Like it should be completely countercultural to anything the world has ever seen because how the Bible talks about what the church should be like is this incredible community that cares and knows for each other, that bears each other's burdens, and like it's this incredible. It's supposed to be this incredible community. Number three is that this church, like the church, is supposed to know and care for our neighbors outside of the walls. Again, I've been in this side, like in leadership side of churches. It's really hard to always do all these three things well and not do like one too much and neglect the other. I, I know that that's like, seems like, what? But it's, it just really is. When you're doing a church and you're trying to lead and you're trying to like, sometimes you can, you can leave out, if, if that makes sense. Like sometimes you can be so about these four walls that you're not at all even thinking about maybe our impact or outreach on our neighbors. Again, I've been there. Or sometimes you're so concerned with outreach that there's like no care and no attention to the body. Again, those are two sides of the spectrum. But again, I hope and pray every pastor and every leader in any church would go, this is really what we're supposed to do, though. Again, there's different ways you get there and different emphasis and expressions. But this is the point. That's why I love that Paul, um, it's, it's evident that this comes up. And so if we're going to look at this, the, the first is pretty self-explanatory, and most churches do it well. To know, experience God. Right? That would be, in Western culture, the Sunday morning service. A lot of churches are trying to do this. Gather people, and they're trying to have people know and encounter and experience God. Most churches are doing this well. But I would say Number two and number three are harder. Because number two and three aren't necessarily 
the pastor's job or the church staff's job. I'm not saying that all the, all the um, <laughs> responsibility for number one should just be on like church leadership. But you have to you understand, you understand like a lot of it is teaching and preaching and leading worship and caring. But the other two is actually where like the whole body of Christ is meant to participate in. Like as an active role. Right, two and three are all up to like the individual. Like number one is kind of more of like led by maybe a leadership in some senses. Again, there's nuances to that. So let's just say that you're, you, you uh, are attending or are a part of a church. You should, number one, be learning and growing and experiencing God. Again, that's not just a reality thing. Like if you go to any Christian church, you sh that should be something that you hopefully are getting. You're growing in knowing and experiencing God. But also, if you're part of any local church, not just reality, again, I'm speaking because this is me, but, or this is us, but this should be true, is that when you approach any local church community you're a part of, you should approach it with, okay, if I'm a part of this community, how can I serve it? How can I care for other people in that community? Because ideally, by God's design, we shouldn't only just like come, right? We should like be an active part. Meaning like God wants to use your giftings and your talents and your resources to benefit and serve one another. Like that is how it's meant to be. And again, for like a season, you're like checking out churches or you're healing because you came out of like a lot of service. Like that's okay just to be. But like ideal world, dream world for the church to function well. Again, Jesus', Jesus words, not me. Is that we're all contributing members of any church we attend. Again, or else we just don't function totally properly. Because again, when you, when you say, and again, we do it subtly. What church do you go to? You're already, you're already asking a question that isn't actually fully true because it, it, it speaks to like just consuming something or just observing rather than like, well, what church are you a part of? Or what church do you serve at? That would be like, a, even though we probably won't say that, that's what like the Bible would like more lend to. Or like, what Christian community are you actively a part of? Right? That would be like a more biblical way to even answer it. But a lot of times, it's, again, it's just socially we go, well, I attend or I go or I visit this, that, and the other. Again, you have to understand, though, that just those subtle cues are a little bit missing the point, if that makes sense. But again, our church, and like any church, if you're a part of, the hopes are that the church... Not only, like, not only do you experience and know God, not only do you serve one another, but it's more than that. The hopes are that any church you attend, you also get to the place where you feel encouraged, equipped, and supported to serve others outside the four walls who aren't a part of this church. Believers or non-believers, just that, like, aren't in this community. Like, that is so, supposed to heavily be a part of what Christians do. Especially the most vulnerable of our neighbors. 
Like, this is, the, this is Christianity. Like, this is who we're supposed to be. And again, sometimes churches put these opportunities out there to try to help their churches get involved. Like, that's why, like, hugely, we want to put on this huge community outreach that we do, it's the stuff that we do to the school, like all the ways, because we, we want to be a church that actively serves our community outside of our church. We don't want to only do that, but we also want to do that because we want to try to be balanced in how we're living out our faith as a community, right? But a lot of times, we aren't just supposed to wait for any church to just put on an event. Well, my church doesn't serve the community, so I don't serve the community. You're like, okay, be careful to put it all on the church's fault. Be careful. Because a lot of times, it's just God wanting to use who we encounter and the opportunity he gives us in our lives. God wants to use you with your coworker, with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, with who you go to school with or play sports with or whatever it is. Like, that's the community. Go serve them. Like, you don't have to have the church tell you to do it. Right? That's what, that's what we see here in this letter as well. And again, I'm not, uh, this is not supposed to be a guilt trip by any means. It's more of just like a reminder to continue to spur us as a community on to live in how God designed us to be. And I, I truly think that if all of us individually, just every member of just, I'm just talking reality for a second. If every member just slightly went, you know what? Yeah, like I want to know, experience God. I want to really be mindful of like intentionally knowing and serving other people in the church. And also I want to just intentionally be mindful to serve my neighbor. You change that and all of us do it. Our church would incredibly flourish and so would like the entirety of Hawaii because I'm talking about if not only our church did it but every Christian just like <laughs> right if this like if this people if we just did this if we thought this way if we continued to grow in Jesus in these things like literally that's how the world changes again it's not complicated like you do a study on the church what did they do they just loved people they were just faithful to love people and give generously to others and sacrifice the, for the betterment of others. Like, th that's it. There's not rocket science to how Christianity reached the whole world. It, it's not. So when looking at these verses, kind of like to wrap up here, when looking at these verses with Epaphroditus and Paul speaking so highly of him, the reason Paul tells these, this church to think highly or esteem people like him, it's not because Epaphroditus had some special ability. It's not. It's just that he committed himself to serve and care for others. And honestly, I don't know how it went, but he's just the one that said yes to go visit Paul. Hey, who wants to go visit Paul in Rome and love on him because he's in prison? Someone said yes. It was Epaphroditus. And he, he does this, and he's going back. And the Apostle Paul says, Paphroditus, he's the kind of people that you should esteem highly. Why? Because he just was willing to give himself to serve others. Like, that should speak. It's not revolutionary. This is, doesn't, uh, not a degree you need to do that. There's not, like, an education level or some kind of, like, certain class you got to go to. It was just a willingness 
to commit himself to serving and care for others. But unfortunately, like, that's kind of become a lost art. Like, just in, in society, just being nice and kind and having, like, compassion and empathy and care for someone that's different than you has become, like, a lost art. It's sad. It's really affecting, like, our world. It's lost, but it shouldn't be. And the Christian, especially, has this, like, amazing responsibility to try and pursue those things. Empathy and compassion and care and love and sacrificial generosity towards others. That's really hard. But again, that's the way of Jesus. Like, that is the way of Jesus. You look at the person of Jesus, that's what he did. He loved the unlovable. He cared for those that society, like, threw to the side. Jesus was, like, always hanging out with people he shouldn't have, at least the society told him he shouldn't. And he gave his life for it. Right? All of this is pointing to the person of Jesus. But again... Paul is being intentional here to bring up Timothy and Epaphroditus. And even for us this morning, this is kind of a part two of caring for others. Right? This is a little bit like redundant, and it's meant to be of last week. Because again, today, and, and it should be noted that whoever is esteemed in Scripture, like Epaphroditus and Timothy, are those that go out of their way to sacrificially care for others. First inside the church and outside the church. Like this, these are like the hall of faith. Like the best of the best Christians that have ever lived. You know who's been? Just people that have sacrificed uh, their own preferences for the good of others. And again, they're just walking in the way of Jesus. And so, just as an application questions as we um, kind of finish here. For those, and again, I just speak to for those of us that call reality home, okay? These are the questions I want you just to like pray over this week or think about or just ponder over and ask yourself. I will ask them as well. Are we aware of each other's needs in this church? In order to like know someone's needs, you have to know them first. Right, this would be a call. This would be encouragement to like get to know your church. I know life's busy, but like stay a little bit longer after church or like be intentional or like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's ways. Join the WhatsApp group. Right, Brent? Get to know people. I'm just saying, do we, are we aware of each other's needs? Because we are all in need in this room in one way or another. The other question I would ask us as a part of reality, those that are a part of reality, how intentional are we asking the deeper things? Again, first you need to know them before you can go deep. So are we fostering relationships in our church then to go, hey, tell me more. How are you doing? Like, how is it going? What's going on? Like, are we asking the deeper things to those in our church? And then the next question would be is, are we open and prayerful how we might meet those needs? Right, because someone says something and it's, it's really good. Are we, are we like open and prayerful? Like, God, do you want me to do that? Or like, is someone else going to do that? Or like, how can I be a part of helping meet each other's needs in the church? 
The next that is really hard, like I told you it was hard for Paul, is, is receiving help. So a lot of times, and I get it, I understand because I'm kind of that sometimes, we don't want to share too much about ourselves because we don't want to put ourselves out there because we actually have trouble receiving help. We'll give it. But we have a hard time receiving it. And, and like, it's supposed to be mutually beneficial. Like, it isn't supposed to be like there's some superhumans in the church that always are giving and they need nothing. That's not how it works. We all are in need. We're all human. We all have stuff. We are going through stuff. And so the whole point of the body of Christ is that we know each other. We ask the deeper things. We ask where if we can be a part of helping meet those needs. And we receive help because we all need it as well. So that's inside the church. For all of us, uh, when we look towards the outside the four walls, outside of this church, the question that I would have for those that call reality home is this. How empathetic and compassionate are we, to are we towards others' situation? Situations they have going on. Whatever they're going through, whatever we encounter, how empathetic and compassionate are we? Are we listening? Are we caring? Are we, are we just, you know, out of sight, out of mind type thing? Another question we can think about that might challenge us is, how others-centered am I living my life? Or is it just pretty isolated and, you know, do my own thing? Again, none of us can help everyone. We're not supposed to. We all don't have the time and the money to. But sometimes the most effective thing that you can do in someone else's life is just care enough to listen. Just ask them about their life and just sit and make eye contact and listen how their day's been and how it's going. <laughs> again, this is a lost art. It shouldn't be. But again, sometimes God just wants to do that and maybe then it's just pray for them or maybe it's connect with them and help them get need even though if you can't meet that need, maybe you can get them need some other way. Help, help meet that need some other way. And again, the reason why I'm harping on this stuff is that I want to accurately share what the Bible does. It harps on this stuff. And I do know that this is the very thing that will change the world for the kingdom of God if every believer just lives into this. Like if every Christian worldwide just lives into this radical, like other-centered generosity, serving others, like the world will change. Like drastically for the kingdom of God. Again, it just starts with this basic and consistent care for others. And then it blossoms and grows by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we start living more like Jesus. And over time, you know what happens? You slowly will realize you become more generous and more loving and more merciful and more kind and more understanding and more compassionate and more. You get, you get the idea. It's not supposed to be a one sermon, one time, change your life. It's supposed to be continued with Jesus, this walk with Jesus, that you become more like him. And in turn, we become to serve others more. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this reminder. And in some ways, it can be a challenging reminder. But really, it's beautiful because this is the way in which you've made us to be. Like we actually are truly living into our God-created design 
when we live this way. And so God, help us to be free of maybe like a different way of living. Because I think for a lot of us, we might struggle with like all of this and in being challenged. It's challenging to really like be so mindful of others and be, be really aware and, um, and care and give, and give up, give up stuff. But thank you, Jesus, that you are the model example. And the only reason we can love others is because you first loved us. And really, this is just an, out, an overflow of what you have done for us. And God, we really want to do, we really want to be your hands and feet. We really want to be your church that goes into the world and serves people. The world is in desperate need of your love, God, of your grace and your mercy from the church. Help us to be a church that shows and tells the goodness of Jesus by how we serve and care for others inside and outside of our church. And in this time of worship, God, we pray that you would minister to us. For some of us, it's maybe surrendering. For some of us, it's just taking time to pray over this. Sometimes, for some, it's just praising you for who you are and what you've done. But we want to give you these next few minutes as we end with these few songs and ask you to get all the credit and all the glory. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.